0: Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome back to Get Your Goat. Josh here, and there's a lot to get into today. Week 18, first ever time it's happened. As we get into that week, who has the edge in the MVP race? Offensive Player of the Year. Is Defensive Player of the Year locked up? Playoff scenarios for your teams out there, and I'm going to give you my quarterback rankings through 17 weeks, who I think is the best and who I would want leading my team. Week 18 and the playoffs, then getting into the NBA. Kyrie set to return tonight. Clay hopes to return on Sunday. What an impact this can make for already two great teams this year. Then I'm going to get into the NHL, actually what is left of the NHL as so many games are postponed Give you my top five teams in the NHL that are still playing. Made a wrong pick on college football last night. I'll talk about that. But first, I'm going to get started. Jim Harbaugh, could he be leaving for the NFL? I think it's very likely that he does if his contract remains the same as it does in Michigan, where last year... You suffer a 2-4 and record. Yes, there is so much turmoil with the season. With COVID-19, you only play six games. You didn't look good in any of those six games. So you take a dramatic pay cut. Uh, Half your salary is cut. A lot of it's turned into bonus and incentives, which a lot of you got this year since you made it to the college football playoff. You beat Ohio State. You won your division. So that looks... Great, now with this turnaround, now the NFL, it's interested. You've got teams out there like the Las Vegas Raiders that might need a coach. The Minnesota Vikings, the Chicago Bears, and I think Jim Harbaugh has a hot market. We saw Urban Meyer this past year make the leap from college to the NFL, and it was an utter disaster. Just abysmal, couldn't get any worse for Urban Meyer. His plan did not fit his mold from college to the NFL, did not mesh his style, did not work well, and because of that, he didn't even last a full NFL season. It's hard to make the jump to college. Urban Meyer can attest to that. Nick Saban can attest to that with his little Miami Dolphin snap foo. Matt Rule, the coach for the Carolina Panthers, had one good season at Baylor. One good season. Carolina Panthers took a big risk, and he has not been good with the Carolina Panthers, to say the least. But who has had success? Jim Harbaugh. He has had success. Good college coach. Took a terrible San Diego team that had no scholarships. Turned them into an 11-win team. Same thing to Stanford. Had Andrew Luck, uh, Toby Gerhardt, all those guys at Stanford, turned them into an 11-12 win team. Then he goes to San Francisco, where San Francisco, a great storied franchise of the 90s, laughingstock of the league in the 2000s that could barely win any games. Jim Harbaugh takes them to three straight NFC Championship games and loses a Super Bowl. In the middle of those three years, first year lost in overtime to the New York Giants because they had no punt returner, muffed it twice. Third year, Richard Sherman with one of the greatest defensive plays in football of all time with the bat, just because of how clutch it was the moment, and of course the epic post-game rant to Aaron Andrews, Aaron Andrews about Michael Crabtree. And he goes back to college. Has a 10-win season, right away, wins 10 games like five times in his seven years there. This year, beat Ohio State, went to the college football playoff, which only two other teams have done in the Big Ten. Ohio State has gone there a couple times. They won it in its inauguration, and Michigan State had one appearance and got slaughtered by Alabama 38-0. to So I definitely think Jim Harbaugh is a coach that can go back in, you look at his track record, you look that he's done it in the NFL before with the Niners, how quick it is, I think he can turn a team around. And I don't think he's going to go to a team that's suffering like the Jaguars. He's not going to set himself up for that. He wants to go to a team, I believe, like the Raiders, depending, I know they have their interim coach right now, who can make the playoffs uh, this Sunday if they beat the Chargers. I think that'll be a very telling game for the Las Vegas Raiders and how they move forward with their coaching decisions moving forward. But you at least got to like the offense. Uh, Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. You go out and draft another wide receiver to replace Henry Ruggs. The offensive line, I think, is average, You know, maybe a little bit above average. Defense can use some help, but you can draft, and I think Jim Harbaugh, at least with the offense, will be in a good spot. Another team I look at, the Minnesota Vikings. To me, they're a quarterback away and a coach away from Super Bowl contention. They got Adam Thielen. They got Justin Jefferson. They got Dalvin Cook. On defense, they got Harrison Smith, Kendricks, uh, Tomlinson. They've got some players there. Uh, Need some help with the cornerback situation, but I think he go to a good one. The Bears are a little iffy. Yes, you've got Justin Fields, uh, who I think is a tremendous quarterback. You've got Allen Robinson. I expect him to leave in the offseason, but you've got Darnell Mooney, uh, Cole Komet. Uh, you'll need help on the offensive line and defensive side of the ball. Uh, so maybe that job's a little less attractive than the Raiders in the Vikings, but I sure think he can make a wave. In the NFL. But it's all kind of come down to Michigan. To me, I think it's in Michigan's hands. You know, last week, Jim Harbaugh said, I'd coach Michigan for free. It doesn't look that way now. It doesn't look like you'd coach Michigan for free. And right now, I think Michigan has to pony up the dough. Because Harbaugh has, to me, he was always a good coach but he has proven himself is one of the best college football coaches this year. You have Mel Tucker get a 10-year, $95 million contract just for beating Michigan twice. Hasn't even made it to the college football playoff like Jim Harbaugh has or had consecutive winning seasons like Jim Harbaugh has. Mel Tucker's had one good year, and it didn't even culminate in anything in the college football playoff. Brian Kelly... Has been to the playoffs like two times. His team's been annihilated both times. He gets that same contract in LSU. Lincoln Riley. He's been annihilated in both times he's appeared in the college football playoff uh, with Kyler Murray. Alabama dominated the LSU game. Uh, Joe Burrow whooped up on Oklahoma. Yes. So we're right there. And he gets a big contract with USC. So I think even uh, Penn State's uh, Franklin got a big contract. And he hasn't done anything in a couple of years. So yes, I think if you're Michigan, you pony up the dough and say, Hey, we can't let him go if there is no replacement that we like. If there's no guy that's out there that yeah, we think we can seriously get and stay the same level as where we were just at, where Michigan fans expect championships, expect to run the Big Ten, and now they have a reigning Big Ten champions. You have to find some guy that will be able to do what Jim Harbaugh did last year. And I think Jim Harbaugh can do it again with the same group they have, with the coaches they have another year together. I think will do everyone great, but I honestly think it's going to come down to the money. And if the Raiders, the Bears, Vikings, whoever offers them a five-year, $50 million contract where it's you know $10 million a year, you're going to have to pony up the dough. I know you've got it, but you are going to have to pay Jim Harbaugh if you're going to want to keep him. Don't want to see Jim Harbaugh, all this momentum, leave Michigan after such a great year. Now, moving on to what Cooper Cup said about separating NFL records. And I couldn't agree more with him. Uh, the debate now Cooper Cup, I think, needs like 10, 15 receptions, 134 yards uh, to beat. Uh, Michael Thomas's all-time reception record to beat Megatron's receiving record. Uh, and, of course, both those happened in a 16-game season. Now we're in the 17-game season. And I'm all for it because that extra game, Megatron would have had more yards, would have broken the 2,000 mark. Uh, Michael Thomas would have surpassed 150 And that same schedule. So I'm all for it. Either making a new record, putting an asterisk next to it that says, hey, 17 games, you know, if it's 16 games, whatever you want to do. I'm totally fine with that. I think that's a smart thing to do, uh, considering more records will be broken that way. In the future, I believe it'll be easier for passing records to be broken. Uh, Peyton Manning, I think, uh, the passing yards and touchdowns, at least passing yards. Uh, Tom Brady's going to come awfully close this Sunday to breaking it. Uh, I don't think he'll do it, but it'll be close. Uh, he throws for 300, 400 yards. He'll kind of be right there. And then, uh, but you think of years to come, Patrick Mahomes, Joe, uh, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, all those guys will have a chance of breaking all those passing records, a Derrick Henry rushing record, Jonathan Taylor uh, could get another crack at it. I don't think he'll do it this year. So you have a lot of guys, I think, that'll end up be breaking records, and all those will happen in a 17-game season. So I think it definitely is appropriate to separate those records. However, what you don't have to separate is quarterback or is Yearly awards. That is what you don't have to separate. So MVP, I think MVP is really a quarterback award. And to me, you're going to go with Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. And I have to go with Tom Brady. And it's funny that Aaron Rodgers is now the favorite to win MVP. Uh, there was an NFL journalist who actually votes for MVP. Uh, and He said yesterday that he will not vote for Aaron Rodgers. He considers him the biggest jerk in the league, is taking in his vaccination status into account for MVP. Now, he's taking in some off-the-field stuff into that, the way he talks to the media addresses it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers even acknowledged that his vaccination status you know, could cost him a fourth MVP. But when I look at it, he just does not build up to the MVP. Uh, I know he missed one game because of his vaccination status. I take that into account because he played one less game than everybody else. And that happened to be a big game. To me, that was the... Biggest regular season game it could have been for the Green Bay Packers at Arrowhead and Aaron Rodgers couldn't play because of his vaccination status. So even if Aaron Rodgers were to play, uh, his I think his stats would be much better. He'd probably be top 7 instead of top 10. But if I'm evaluating Tom Brady... Aaron Rodgers MVP I'm looking at the stats. I'm looking at the impact wins and I see hey. Aaron Rodgers has led his team to a 13 and 2 record. They're 13 and 3 overall. They've clinched a one seed. So he has the advantage here, but how far away is Tom Brady in Tampa Bay? Well, they're 12 and 4. They're just one game behind them. Obviously, they won't win because of the Best conference record, they lose that tiebreaker. But if I'm looking at that, that I give the slight advantage there to Aaron Rodgers. For how his overall team performs. And I've got to remember too, Aaron Rodgers has had a healthy Devontae Adams, except for the one COVID game against Arizona. He has had Devontae Adams arguably the best wide receiver in football. Yes. Tom Brady has a better supporting cast. But they've uh, rarely been healthy the whole season this year. Gronk missed a big chunk in the middle of the season. Mike Evans seems to always miss a few games with a hamstring. Chris Godwin tore his ACL. Antonio Brown decided to quit. Uh, so he's had to throw a lot of balls to Cameron Brate, OJ Howard. Uh, Scotty Miller's been out. And what has Tom Brady done through all this? He has thrown for 4,990 yards to Aaron Rodgers, 3,977 yards. Tom Brady has thrown for 1,000 more yards. Yes, he has thrown 150 more attempts. He's played the extra game. So because of that, Tom Brady... They're more reliant on Tom Brady to win football games than Aaron Rodgers is to win football games. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers do not have a 1,000-yard rushing running back. I believe Leonard Fournette would hit that, but he was injured too. So you have Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn, whereas Aaron Rodgers has 2,000-yard backs and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to help him out. So he has less of the bulk of a work to do Van Tom Brady. Oh, and then I look if a touchdown is accounted for. Tom Brady, 40. Aaron Rodgers, 35. Interceptions, 12 interceptions for Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers, 4. I'll give that to Aaron Rodgers. Quarterback ranking. QBR, it's on a scale of 0-100. to 100. Aaron Rodgers is first in the league at 67.8. Tom Brady is a tick behind him at 66.7. So a slight edge there to Aaron. Not a huge gap there. Very close. Passer rating, one Aaron Rodgers at 111. uh, Four Tom Brady at 100. That's a little more remarkable. I sort of like the yards for Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Then I look at the completion percentage as well. Aaron Rodgers at 68.6. Tom Brady, two ticks behind him at 66.9. So now things are looking tied. I'm going to give the wins, the rating uh, to Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to give the yards, uh, touchdowns, you know, how much the team needs you uh, due to the pass attempts. I'm going to give to Tom Brady. Now, there's also another thing I like to take into consideration a lot. That is pro football focus ranking. They rank analyze, uh, and analyze every single player, every single snap of every single game. It's not just the highlights, uh, not just the big throws. It's every single thing that he does, whether it's the smart move on a check down or scrambling for 10 yards. It takes into consideration all of that. Tom Brady is number two. Well, Aaron Rodgers is not one. Uh, Joe Burrow is number one. because he just had an excellent game. Tom Brady is number two at 91.4. 91.4, that is an A grade. Those are the only two quarterbacks with a PFF grade of an A this year. Uh, Joe Burrow, Tom Brady. Justin Herbert, 89.4. That's not an A grade. Uh, He's been excellent. So, Aaron Rodgers isn't even in the top three, uh, for PFF. So because of that, you know, his PFF grade is at number four. Uh, I really do think Tom Brady should get this award. He has the highest winning above average over him. You know, as I said, the PFF grade, uh, Rodgers, you know, like I said, they take into account the single play and snap. So considering they do not throw the ball as much, they got Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. I mean, you want to look at Rodgers' touchdown interception ratio I gave you of 35.9, how he hasn't thrown an interception in, you know, like seven weeks. However, you've got to take into account not just the past seven weeks. i give it to Rodgers in the past seven weeks. I have to take into account all 18 games. And when I take in... Uh, both 18 games, I am giving it to Tom Brady. That's why he deserves MVP. Offensive player of the year, I don't think that should go to a quarterback unless the quarterback has an otherworldly type year to where they would both win the MVP and offensive player of the year. I think offensive player of the year it's kind of like now the like runner-up to MVP, where Derrick Henry could have won MVP last year, but they gave him Offensive Player of the Year like a nice secondary award. So who gets the nice secondary award this year? Well, there are two left, just like there's two for MVP. And the two that are left is Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, second in the league in touches. Just a like five behind Najee Harris after Najee Harris. Main handled the Browns on Monday night. However, Jonathan Taylor is sitting at one thousand seven hundred and thirty-four yards, average of five and a half yards. He has twelve hundred yards after contact. That's more than Joe Mixon has this year at one thousand and two hundred and five. So Jonathan Taylor is there, he's averaging 108 yards per game, the only running back to average over 100 yards a game, except for Derrick Henry, and can you believe, Derrick Henry's only played 8 games this year, and he has the 6 most, most rushing yards, 8 games, and he has the 6 most, the highest yards per game total, Uh, congratulations Derrick Henry, I mean, You were to finish off this year, definitely think you would be right there. Uh, You would definitely have 2,000 yards and be on your way to breaking the record this Sunday. However, Derrick Henry, he's lost a couple of fumbles uh, as well. And then you look at Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, just absurd... Number of targets, 184 most targeted wide receiver in football, has 138 receptions. Most receptions in football, yards, 1,829. Of course, that's more than Jonathan Taylor has rushing. And as I said, close to breaking Megatron's record. Not the highest average, it's only 13.3 yards. You've got guys like Debo, Jamar Chase, higher average average. And him, however, yards per game, he's at 114.3. Just absurd. No fumbles. No fumbles lost either. Yards after catch, yak, 806, most in the NFL. Because of this, I have to give the award to Cooper Cup right now, Offensive Player of the Year. I think it, this will really come down. Uh, Tuva last week, where I think Tom Brady, unless he decides to like throw another crazy five interception game this su- Sunday, I think it's pretty safe since he plays the Panthers. Whereas Jonathan Taylor can certainly go off against the Jags, but Cooper Cup big game against the Niners. They struggled with him, you know. He sort of steps up, and I definitely think Cooper Cup can break some records and. Secure the offensive player of the year. I think he deserves it. What him and Stafford have done is a tandem this year is as great as I've seen. Uh, you know Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams do. Uh, that is just a really special connection. I like Cooper Cup to win the award. Now, what about defensive player of the year? Well, that's already good. That's already. Decided on, I believe Aaron Donald, you know, is always a force. He's got 12 and a half sacks, 77 total tackles. Uh But I think it's going to TJ Watt this year, who's finished, you know, runner-upper in third place the last few years. It's finally his time. He just had that crazy four-sack performance. He's at 21 and a half, 59 tackles, 20 tackles for loss. Again, that's more of an Aaron Donald, both sacks and tackles for loss. Aaron Donald's very disruptive, you know, working inside, Uh, but T.J. Watt is the real deal. Uh, Four forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries. I mean, T.J. Watt's been on another level this year as outside linebacker. It's easier, I believe, to be an outside linebacker and work the edge than it is to be Aaron Donald lined up as a D-tackle right there in the middle or defensive end, but Aaron Donald still makes it work. However... T.J. Watt, and there's been so many good defensive players. Robert Quinn from the Chicago Bears, break the Chicago sack record at 18. Miles Garrett's been doing really well, playing through injury the past few weeks. Nick Bosa, who towards ACL for the 49ers, just showed how important and impactful he is this year with 15, tackles, or 15 sacks, uh, 19 tackles for loss. Cincinnati's Trey Hendrickson, who came over From the Saints, who was really good, Uh, he's revitalized that defense. 14 sacks, 12 tackles for loss. Micah Parsons, as well, has been brilliant. 13 sacks, 20 tackles for loss, Uh, 84 total tackles. They've all been good, Uh, but I believe this is T.J. Watt's year. It's his award. All those guys I just named have been great, but T.J. Watt has been far and above the best. It would be highway robbery if anybody other than T.J. Watt Wins this award. And when I speak of highway robbery. It's any of the guys I just named. Who had fantastic seasons. And you want to know another name. I never want to hear. For any kind of defensive play every year. I don't even know how he made the Pro Bowl actually. And that's Trevon Diggs. Cornerback for the Dallas Cowboys. And Dallas Cowboys like to hype up their team so much. Like to hype up Dak. And they love Zeke. Even though he's not been good this year. But... Trayvon Diggs, to me, you can fool a lot of people with this guy. But you cannot fool me. You can look through the 11 interceptions. I believe Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, all those guys could have 11 interceptions. He's a former wide receiver. We saw that with Richard Sherman when he had 8 interceptions, like 3 consecutive years. He was a former wide receiver at Stanford. He was a great cornerback. Great cornerback who could stop coverage. Darrell Revis didn't have gaudy interception numbers, but he could shut people down. Trayvon Diggs cannot shut people down. I don't care if you have 11 interceptions. He has allowed a thousand yards in coverage this season. One thousand yards. Darrell Revis in a season, uh, where he had to play Randy Moss twice. Uh all those guys back then. He didn't allow 35 yards a game. In here, Travon Diggs is giving over 1,000 yards in coverage. AJ Green, old AJ Green, bit him with a double move and dusted him. AJ Green! I'm glad Travon Diggs can lock up Terry McLaurin last week as about the only guy he's ever locked up this whole year. I don't ever want to hear Travon Diggs' name. In a great cornerback discussion, I don't even know how he's a first Pro Bowl. He shouldn't be first-team All-Pro, that's for sure, because his coverage skills are not good. He gets exposed in zone as well. If it wasn't for the interception numbers, we wouldn't be talking about him. I don't even want to talk about him because he's so overrated. Uh, He's not good. I've got no respect for Trevon Diggs. I mean, the guy can't cover a lick. A lick. If AJ Green's going to get dusted by him, and this is no prime AJ Green. This is aging AJ Green. And in the playoffs, you're going to have to go up against AJ Green again. And he just dusted you. Who else are you going to have to go up against? Cooper Cup. Devontae Adams. Yeah, this Cowboy defense, they go as far as Micah Parsons go, but he can't do everything and be everything. Trevon Diggs is not have to step up and play a lot better in the playoffs. And they are going to make it out of the first round and win a playoff game. Now moving on to some playoff scenarios. Very few of them left. I'm going to start with the NFC. If you are a fan of any of these six NFC teams, just be happy. You have clinched a spot. You know you're guaranteed to make the playoffs. Green Bay Packers, Los Angeles Rams, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dallas Cowboys, Arizona Cardinals, Philadelphia Eagles. You're happy. You've all clinched. Now there's one spot left. San Francisco 49ers, New Orleans Saints. One spot left. Two teams left. San Francisco beats the Rams. They're in. They're in. However, if San Francisco loses and New Orleans wins, New Orleans is in. If both of them lose, San Francisco is in. If both of them win, San Francisco is in. However, only way New Orleans gets in is they win and San Francisco loses. And if you New Orleans, you've got to feel good about yourself because you play the Falcons who haven't been good San Francisco plays the Rams. Of course, the Rams are going to still play competitive because if they win, they win the division. So you got to feel good if you're of the Saints. If you're the Niners, you might be a little worried who's going to be my quarterback, Jimmy G, Trey Lance. However, you know, you've got to feel good because Kyle Shanahan has beat Sean McVay five straight times in these games. I don't want to hype that up too much, but it has happened. So that is the matchup right there. Niners fans, Eagles fans, or Niners fans, St. Sands will be biting their nails all day Sunday. And sorry for teams of the Minnesota Vikings, Atlanta Falcons, Washington football team, Chicago Bears, Seattle Seahawks, Carolina Panthers, New York Giants, and Detroit Lions. Your teams have all been eliminated. Better luck next year. Now in the AFC, there are two spots up for grabs. And there are five teams still in play. One game and one matchup is going to decide itself. The Los Angeles Chargers and the Las Vegas Raiders, they play on Sunday. The winner of that game gets a playoff spot. So you've got to feel good if you're one of those teams because you know you've got a 50-50 shot going into that game. That hey, um, win and we're in. So... You have that. Now, what about the final spot? Colts and Jags. Colts have the spot right now. If the Indianapolis Colts beat the Jags, then the Indianapolis Colts get the playoff spot. However, if the Colts lose, that opens the door for Pittsburgh and Baltimore. The winner of that game gets the spot. So... Big implications there. I know you're thinking, really, if I'm a uh, Steelers fan or a Ravens fan, I've got to hope the Jaguars beat the Colts. It's not as far as fetch as you seem. The Jaguars only had one win last year, and it came against the Colts. In fact, the Colts have not beaten Jacksonville in Jacksonville in seven years. Last time was 2014. This game on Sunday is in Jacksonville. So, I think there's a reason maybe to be a little bit more optimistic. I mean, it's just how badly do the Jacksonville Jaguars want the number one pick? If they want that number one pick super badly, then I could see them laying an egg. However, if they're still motivated, they just want to go out with another win, which they haven't had in a while, because they've already secured a top two pick, then they could play with some heart. So, you have some hope if you're a Pittsburgh or a Baltimore fan. Slim, win your game, hope for the Jaguars, that is it. But if you're a fan of the Tennessee Titans, Kansas City Chiefs, Cincinnati Bengals, Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots, you still have hope. Kansas City can still win the uh AFC if Tennessee loses. Tennessee just needs to win to clinch for number one. Cincinnati. Cincinnati can clinch the one seed if Tennessee loses, Kansas City loses. Buffalo can't clinch the one seed, but they can clinch the division if they win. New England can clinch the division if they win, Buffalo loses. New England can still clinch the one seed if Tennessee, Kansas City, and Cincinnati all lose. So definitely to me a lot more chaos can happen in the AFC than the NFC. But it is still possible in the last week of the season, week 18. Now I'm going to rank my top five quarterbacks so far this year. Number five, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has been fantastic this year. You know, over 4,500 yards, he's fifth in yards, he's thrown. 34 touchdowns, uh, 14 interceptions is a bit high for me, but he has a very high completion percentage at 70.4, a, a passer rating of number two at 108.3, the number one pro football focus grade. So Joe Burrow is right there, just out Patrick Mahomes this weekend. He has been great this year. Through 17 weeks, he's one of the top quarterbacks and is a quarterback I would want in a Week 18 and the playoffs. Number four, Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, another quarterback that has ascended was my MVP preseason pick, is going to come up just short because of his high interception total of 15, which is happens to be tied for the most this year. He's also thrown four pick sixes, which hurt. But if you want to turn a blind eye to that, He has a higher passer rating than Tom Brady at 103. His QBR is respectable at 63. Completion percentage also is good at 67. Second most passing yards at 4,648. Second most touchdowns at 38. He has ascended in Sean McVay's offense where the spotlight has been put on him. And he has delivered in a large part due to him. And you got to think... Megatron broke the receiving record. Matthew Stafford is his quarterback. Cooper Cup is about to do the same. Matthew Stafford is his quarterback. Different numerators, same denominator, and Matthew Stafford. Number three, Patrick Mahomes. Is it as good as the past couple years, Patrick Mahomes? No, but Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. Six in passing yards, 4,500, a 66 completion percentage. Uh, He's thrown 35 touchdowns. Uh, QBR a little low in passer rating. But it's Patrick Mahomes. I still see him make big plays, play after play. The games against the Raiders, even uh, Sunday, I thought he played really well against the Bengals, even though the result didn't turn out his way. Patrick Mahomes is still a quarterback, I fear, and can turn on the switch at any moment. Now... I think number two and number one are quite obvious considering this year. In the case I made for MVP, number two is Aaron Rodgers. You just heard my spiel about Aaron Rodgers, uh, how close he is to MVP, uh, all the stats I gave on him. Number one, of course, is Tom Brady. Those are my top two. Uh, Tom Brady is definitely a guy I want in the playoffs week 18 as he looks to eclipse 5,000 passing yards. Same with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field uh, this year broke that Brett Favre's record. Uh, Tom Brady's the only person to throw for 600 passing touchdowns. Every passing record is going to go down, you know, career-wise with Tom Brady. Uh, It's brilliant to see as long as wins as well. Those are the quarterbacks I want. Those are my top five quarterbacks this year through 17 weeks and who I would want. Coming in to the playoffs. Joe Burrow. Matthew Stafford. Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers. And Tom Brady. Now. Moving on. To the NBA. Yesterday. I was right on both my picks. I was right. The first one. Was the Pacers. And the Knicks. The Knicks won by 10. 104. To 94. R.J. Barrett. 32 points, Julius Randle, a double double of 30 points, uh 16 rebounds. I mean congratulations to the Knicks. I'm happy they won. Both three-point shooting was abysmal. Uh 23% for the Pacers, 21% for the Knicks. However, from a field, the Knicks were better at f- almost 50%. They were the better team. You know, they were hot shooting from three early in the year when they were one of the better teams. They have cooled off extremely from three. They definitely have to have, you know, hit a better, higher mark if they are to get back to where they were last year and get, you know, into the playoffs. I was also right on the Lakers, on the Kings. I was nervous, and I was nervous for good measure. It was close most of the game. LeBron has been nothing but the best player in the planet the past couple of weeks. He's been fantastic. He had 17 points heading into the fourth and scored 14 points in the fourth quarter to get to 31. He also had two clutch threes late in the game. Uh, Wasn't a great three-point performance, three of 10, but those two big ones near the end of the fourth quarter were big. Russell Westbrook didn't have one turnover. Not one breaks the longest streak ever held by him at like 407 games, but no turnover. Lakers can win games, you know, not the greatest defensive team, but they can win games even if their defense remains suspect. But they score a lot of points on offense, and they don't turn the ball over. That is what I want to see from the Los Angeles Lakers. That was a great win. LeBron talking trash to the bench. I know people can say the Kings aren't a great team. They aren't, but these are just little wins for the Lakers. Moving up, they've won three in a row. Uh, They need that sort of confidence uh, moving forward. I think it's a great win for them. Other news as well. Memphis Grizzlies came back and beat the Cleveland Cavs down. Great fourth quarter comeback uh, by John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. But tonight, Kyrie Irving makes his return against the Pacers. We're going to see a lot is Kyrie Irving in form. You know, Kevin Durant's in midseason MVP like form. James Harden is slowly getting there. How does this affect the chemistry between these two, uh, between the players here? Does it make them a better team? Does it keep them the same or does it make them a little worse? I don't think those answers will be found out tonight, but we'll have a general good indication. I expect some rust for sure on the part of Kyrie Irving. But it'll be interesting to see him make his return again. A lowly opponent in the Indianapolis Pacers, but the Nets kind of been sliding recently. They've lost uh you know, four out of their last ten or six and four. They lost three in a row. Uh, so I think getting Kyrie back right now is at a good point in this time for this team, only if he plays away games. Clay Thompson is also coming back, not tonight. They're hoping for a Sunday return. How does this help the team? Well, it makes it more dangerous. You have to remember this. That Clay Thompson, you know, is an average defender. Uh, so I think the defense will stay about the same. And I also look at this where people are like, Well, it disrupt the chemistry. But the thing I like about Clay, he doesn't need the ball, he doesn't dribble, he doesn't handle, he's a catch and shoot, and he's the best at it. Uh, one of the best three-point shooters of all time. So I really don't see it as disrupting the chemistry much since Jordan Poole has the ball in his hands more. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, surprisingly. Of course, Steph Curry. Uh, more, even Draymond Green. Clay Thompson does not have a ball in his hands. He's catch and shoot, so I don't think this will really disrupt the chemistry of this team. I think it will just make them more better, reminiscent of the 2015-2016 Golden State teams. Which brings me to one of my picks tonight. The Warriors and the Mavericks. I've got to go with the Warriors. I don't know when I will ever pick against the Warriors, but tonight is not the night. Warriors are eight and two in the past ten games. Mavericks are five and five. I think this game will be closer than expected, but ultimately Golden State wins, you know, they've got Draymond Green, Steph Curry still. No Chris Perzingis tonight who's been good out in safety protocols. Same with Bobin. Uh, Luca, Steph, always be a great show. But I think Steph comes out on top. Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets are of a game after that. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, Nikola Jocic. I think this will be another close game as well. But I think Jazz pulled away late. And when this game, they're 7-3 and three in their passing game, Nuggets, are 6-4. and four. I like the Jazz because they're a little bit more healthy. I know Hassan Whiteside's still out with a concussion, but they're a lot more healthy than the Denver Nuggets. No, uh, Jeff Green, uh, and then still, you know, the loss of some of their players have severely hurt the Nuggets. Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., uh, a lot of that is hard to overcome for even the great Nikola Jocic, but it'll be a great matchup. Regular season Rudy and Nikola Jokic be a fantastic matchup. I expect Jokic to get the better. However, they got Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell to score a lot more points than they'll let in. Now going to the NHL. What is there to talk about since like half the games have been postponed... Especially the Canadian teams with the Canucks and the Maple Leafs, the Canadians, you know, even the Kraken Islanders last night. I mean, so many delayed postponed games, it's hard to even know who's playing anymore in any of these games or what's going on. The NHL seems to always be behind the eight ball of the NFL and the NBA, sadly, which is why they're not a top to sport in this country or in any other country except Canada. But because of that, I'm still going to get my top five NHL teams. For the teams that are still playing, it's weird because Toronto was doing good, but how can I really evaluate them since they haven't played in like a million years? So that's a little tough to do. But here I go, trying my best. Number five, the Carolina Hurricanes. They've been good. They've won four in a row, eight out of their past uh, ten. Uh, they've come back from their little break, and they've won games. Uh, Carolina has also scored a lot of goals as well, 106. Uh, A lot of these numbers will be skewed with the teams that have uh, been out, players not playing. But Carolina has consistently been one of the better teams this year. Started out super hot, cooled down a little bit, but it still remains one of the best teams in the NHL. Number four, the New York Rangers. They've been back. They've played a lot more games since the layoff uh, than a lot of other teams. And they're making the most of their opportunities. They've won three in a row as well. Uh, they're number one in the Metro. They're a good team. Artemi Panarin, a goal of the year candidate uh, the other night. I mean, this team is fantastic offensively. And Igor Shosturkin is handling that goalie position better or as good as anyone else. Number three, the Washington Capitals. Why would I add the Washington Capitals at three and the Rangers at four? The Rangers are number one in the Metro and Washington is at two. Simple. Washington's a better team. They score more goals than the Rangers. They have a better goal differential. Uh, they have the same amount of points even though the tie break goes to the Rangers. I still like the Washington and Alexander Ovechkin who's scoring a ton of goals. Uh, this year, you know, Three in points. 2 in goals. Uh, they're doing a lot this year. Aging Alexander Ovechkin is still doing it. Aging Alex. Number two, the Florida Panthers. How defeating that the Florida Panthers are number two. Because of what I'm about to say at number one. But the Florida Panthers have been really good uh, this year. 128 goals more than anybody else. Actually, my bad. The Knights are the only team that have more Uh but they're right there, one goal behind them. Uh, offensively, they've been good. Jonathan Huberdo on another level this year, elevating his game another notch to make this team even better. I have a lot of respect for the Florida Panthers. However, it's not as good because they were number one for so long in my rankings. Now I have a new number one. That is the Tampa Bay Lightning. That hurts because Florida wants that one spot, But Tampa Bay is the best team in the NHL, set alone at 149 points. Or my bad, just 49 points. I don't know why I put the one in front of there. They're a great team. And they've weathered the losses of uh, Nikita Kucherov and Gord and Point. All those guys, all gone. And they're still winning games. It's very frustrating That they're doing this. I don't think they'll win three in a row. Uh, But it is frustrating to see Tampa Bay in this. And I don't think any team is more frustrated than the Florida Panthers. But I'm going to pick one game tonight. That is the Blues-Penguins. Which happens to be on TNT. And as a Penguins fan, I am picking the Penguins. Not just because I'm a fan. I know I said that. But because I think they are the better team. St. Louis uh, just had that big win. Against the Wild Winter Classic. However, my Pittsburgh team has a eight-game winning streak. They came back, looked good. Casey Desmith a little shaky. But they scored eight goals against the Sharks. Uh, I expect Tristan Jari to be back in net this game. Uh, Penguins have been really high. They've uh, handled the losses of Jason Zucker. Cap and Edwin Carter both out with COVID. And they've been great. Uh, Tristan Jari has been good. Uh, Gensel, Sidney Crosby leading the offensive attack. You know, I know Vladimir Tarasenko, you know, has been really good. Even Barbashev. I think this will be a tremendous game in a matchup. You know, we rarely see the West versus the East, but we get it tonight. Penguins are at home looking for a fifth straight home win. I think they get it. I like the Penguins to win this game. Now wrapping up with just some final thoughts from college football. I was really wrong about my pick last night of LSU and Kansas State. Kansas State blew them out of the water, forty two to twenty. Vaughn with a four touchdown performance, one hundred and forty six yards. Thompson threw for two hundred and fifty nine yards and three touchdowns. This LSU defense, it was so bad, it was so poor. They were missing tackles left and right, big play after big play. But Kansas State was up forty two to seven in the fourth quarter before LSU scored a measly 13 points. Hats off to Kansas State for capping off a year with a big win against LSU. Now LSU can go into full Brian Kelly mode and prepare for the 2022 season. Then, a couple of announcements big announcements. David Ojabo officially declared for the draft, who was Mel Kuyper's number one outside linebacker. Love David Ojabo, Michigan guy. tremendous this year expected him to leave now that that's official that's just another guy uh, to replace i wish the best in a high draft pick in a successful nfl career and then cincinnati cornerback sauce gardner who has not allowed a touchdown at all in college declaring for the draft one of the best defensive backs in college football i think he'll be a number one pick as well uh Oh, wow, a passer rating of 26.1. Another key guy that Cincinnati will have to replace this year. But now, like I said, there's one more bowl game left. That is the national championship, Georgia-Alabama. I'll discuss that later, but that is the only game left. And can I say that Georgia is somehow the favorite? And they were the favorite last time, and look what happened. It'll be an interesting rematch next time we'll talk. I'll break that all down. Until then, who do you think's going to win MVP? Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, or do you got a third? I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.